0: Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: I never remember which way my fingers were pointing for the future, so I'm just doing it both ways. Welcome, 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 welcome. This is Technology Revolution, finally known as TechRev. We are here live. I've got a hot topic for you. We actually covered part one of this topic, what I called part one, back in October october of 2021 i've invited all four of our panelists back three of them are here and we have a newcomer and i can't wait for you to meet her so our topic today is oh my goodness the future of drones i know it's a hot topic and the question is landing on a porch or planet near you soon Part two, so just take that in. I have a couple of buzz quotes to open and then I'll ask my four esteemed guests to introduce themselves. And by the way, guests, wave hello to LinkedIn. Hello, LinkedIn, and Mm -hmm. hello to Facebook. Hello, Facebook, there we are, okay, good. Now, let's see where we are. So, buzz number one, this is from an article in Forbes, the Forbes Tech Council, listen up. Drones are a transformative technology that over the next decade will change in ways you likely never imagined. Today's drones fall into the category of EVs, electronic vehicles. Similar to electronic automobiles, drones offer another important option in fending off greenhouse gases and becoming carbon neutral. Who knew? Buzz number two, listen to this. October 6, 2021, that's the day we did part one, everyone. There was an announcement from Google that day. I don't remember reading that, but here it is. Google announced it had started drone delivery straight from a shopping mall direct to consumers' homes. Delivery takes about 15 minutes, and the flight time is just two to three minutes. The all-time record, two minutes, 47 seconds. And like Google, Wing is an alphabet company. It operates three major test sites globally, Queensland, Australia, Christianburg, Virginia, and Helsinki, Finland. Wing, the name of the company, reached 100,000 delivery milestone in August of last year becoming the largest residential drone delivery service in the world. So that goes with my opening about coming to a porch or a roof near you. Buzz number three, this is important. The global drone industry is projected to grow 12.3% annually, nearing 41 billion, I said billion, with a B, dollars by 2027, according to a company called Brand Essence Market Research. A few years ago, drones were all sci-fi. Oh, yeah, they are in a movie. That's cool. Wow. Today, there are 322,000 commercial drones and more than 529,000 recreational drones ah registered with the U.S. FAA, Federal Aviation Administration. The U.S. Department of Defense operates more than 11,000 unmanned aircraft systems. We're going to be talking about that, or UAs, You're for surveillance, data collection, and precision military strikes. I didn't say that. That quote is from usmoney.usnews.com. So I want each of my guests to wave hello when I call your name. We have Chuck Byers back. Hello, Chuck. Hi, Welcome back. You are smiling today. I'm so thrilled. We have a brand new a woman in the drone field. This is such a privilege. Sandra Formentin. Welcome, Sandra. Can't wait to meet you. We have Ryan Walsh is back. Hi, Ryan. We're going to get a smile from you. I know you're busy, but we got it. And we have Founce Genesee. And I'm going to spell his name for you because you won't be able to find him unless I do. P H A R N S. That's Founce Genesee. G E N E C E. I'm going to ask them for their take on the future of drones, landing on a porch or a roof or a yard or a driveway or a planet near you soon, part two. I'm Bonnie D in the house. So happy to be here. Let's go around the table and get some introductions here. I'm going to start with you, Chuck Byers. Chuck, I'm guessing conservatively, since you've been on my show several times, I'm guessing there might be 12.6 people in the world who don't remember you. Would you please talk to those 12.6 and tisk remind them who you are? And Chuck, bring us up to date, three minutes. What's been new? What's new with you? Talk to me. Welcome,
2: Well, I'm an electrical engineer by trade. I've been doing networks for 27, perhaps more like 37 years, depending upon how you count what I'm doing networks on. And it turns out that drones are just another version of networks, the same way that telephone networks and cellular networks and optical networks are. That's the stuff that I worked on when I was at Bell Laboratories and Cisco. Uh, I've uh, also, I've, I've got two CTO gigs. So I'm Chief Technical Officer of a company called Valkyrie, and you'll hear about that uh, quite a bit more from me and Ryan, who's my boss. And I'm also Associate Chief Technical Officer of a consortium called the Industry IoT Consortium, which is responsible for digital transformation and the trustworthy Internet of Things and all the best practices and reference architectures surrounding that. So I've been doing quite a bit of work on what it takes to make all this IOT stuff uh, not kill us. I guess is probably the right way to describe that. And and, uh, a special emphasis there on edge computing. So what it takes to take the value of the cloud and sort of shove that into much more distributed computational nodes all around the landscape. And it turns out the work that we do with drone delivery stations is an excellent opportunity for us to sprinkle lots of edge computing around the landscape because this edge computing is necessary to help with the autonomy of the drones as they navigate around the coordination of lots of drones and the operation of the drone ground support infrastructure, things like uh, vertiports and our drone delivery stations, uh, intelligent mailboxes. Lots of work going there. The the market is exploding, and lots of really interesting technologies to develop and perfect. That's what I'm working on.
1: Thank you, Chuck. You work in you all work in such an exciting field. I can't imagine a day goes by that you say, Oh God, why did I do this? I'm so bored. I can't even imagine. You mentioned several technologies, Chuck. And yes, IoT powerful as it is I'm not sure everybody really understands it and they know it's everywhere it's it's here it's in our lives we're connected there are sensors on almost everything and people use it every day without even. I had a a friend text me a neighbor text me a year ago and she said I hate technology and I (laughs) want to say don't you realize what you just did you're on a phone (laughs) you're texting me you're using a short message service SMS you're using a technology that wasn't here maybe 10 years ago certainly when she and I grew up and she said, I hate technology. I, I just said, okay, that's fine. I won't tell your first name because you'll laugh. Anyway, let's move on. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. Sandra Formenton. You and I met who, who introduced me to Sandra? Somebody was it uh, was it Stephen Philpot? I think Stephen recommended you. Stephen was unable to join us. Stephen Philpot Sr. was on part one. And I met Sandra and we've been going back and forth by email compliment each other on being women in tech, and that's so important today. You're representing today, Sandra. So, Sandra, you're new to the show. We're so happy to have you. I'm going to put you on speaker view and please tell us who you are and what you do and how did you get into this field. Welcome, Sandra.
3: Hi, everyone. Um, So, yes, my name is Sandra Fermenton. I'm the CEO of Fermenton Security Group, and currently I'm also the CEO at MyScout Urban Air Mobility Company. Um, I am probably one of the few drones ladies in the industry. So hi, drone ladies. Uh, I manage my scout operational and organizational development. I focus on the development of the urban air mobility cybersecurity standards for United States and European smart city environments. I am a certified FAA drone pilot. I'm also a U.S. Army veteran and also a user interface software developer. So I know you guys can hear that I I do have an accent. So I'm Slovakian and Italian. I speak fluently, five languages. Um, I'm an assertive person who opposes the biggest, gets the most theory of donut economics. And it relates as relates to growth opportunities in urban air mobility. Currently, because I'm a never ending student, I'm pursuing an advanced certification in cybersecurity through MIT. Uh, Besides all the bunch of degrees I already have, I have a master's in international politics and diplomacy and bachelor in political science, but I strive to learn more and know more and contribute to something substantial like the urban air mobility or UAM.
1: Thank you. Sandra, I I, I can think of about a dozen topics I'd like to invite you back for already. I have a a question for you, a personal question, Sandra. I'm not going to embarrass you, but do you ever sleep?
3: Um, I, I don't think I sleep much in, art. Not, not enough, I will say, but I don't need it.
1: <laughs> now, if you were, I'm going to ask a question, nothing to do with our topic, but just briefly, if you were wanting to inspire, I'm going to say it, young women, girls, w- whatever we want to call them, us, what would you say is this, what was in the water when you were growing up that made you thirst for knowledge and for information and for, expanding who you are in such a global way. Um, just just one sentence, was it something in your schooling? Was it something in your family? Who inspired you to be who you are today? I'm sorry, guys, I have to ask her this because I'm so amazed at her bio. Founce, you get it.
3: Sandra, go ahead. I always had ambitions. So my advice will be never give up on ambitions. Some people might tell you, you are too ambitious. Don't follow, don't listen. Be ambitious, follow your dreams, and do what you're passionate about, what you want to do. If you want to bring a challenge to the world to make a better place and better environment, do it. There are tools for it. There there are many things that can be for a better world, for the evolution, invent new things. So don't give up, just keep moving forward.
1: Thank you. That's what I thought you would say and I love the way you expressed it. Thank you very much. Really welcome, Sandra. Let's go on to Ryan Walsh. Valkyrie, are you really Chuck's boss, Ryan? Talk to me, what's that like?
4: I mean, I think it's uh, more of a privilege to be able to work with Chuck than to uh, classify it as I'm his boss. I like to think we work together on the same team solving problems, but yeah, I'm the CEO and and founder of Valkyrie. Um, Also the North American chapter director for the drone logistics ecosystem, which is a a global consortium. and I've been working on drones for 10 years. It's great to, you know, hear a fellow vet with, with Sandra on, um, did several years in the 75th Ranger Regiment, did tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, and got out and saw that drones can be used to really revolutionize the way we conduct ourselves as a society in day-to-day life. And so I thought that was the best use of them, much more so than, you know, military platforms so
1: how did you get into valkyrie just give us a little history because i'm guessing there were 12.6 people who don't remember chuck there might be 11.7 people who don't remember you ryan would you just bring them up to date please what you've been busy doing
4: sure sure so i uh started working on this and had a obsession uh with where are these drones going to land since 2015 um it's pretty much all that's been on my mind and so we started working through that problem set and filing patent applications i think i have 28 patents around drone vertiports and landing stations now um, another 21 22 pending something like that um so we're covering about 40 percent of the world's population under our ip so um we definitely see valkyrie as being a critical piece of this and uh you know it's been great to be part of this industry for the last decade
1: thank you uh, same question i asked to sandra do you ever sleep ryan walsh
4: i think with my eyes open once in a while <laughs>
1: Because you don't want to miss anything going by. I know that. And the name Valkyrie, uh, V-A-L-Q-A-R-I, Valkyrie is, is I don't know if it's in mythology, but V-A-L-K-Y-R-I-E, the Valkyries, uh, any relation to that? Any play on words there?
4: Absolutely. Um, that's what we went for. But the uh, traditional spelling was taken already, so we had to get a bit creative. But we like the idea of the Valkyries being able to choose who lives and dies in the battle. So that's really our position in this.
1: Thank you very much. We're getting back into a little sci-fi here. we got to make a movie with all of you. I'll I'll talk to you about that. Founce Genesee. So happy to see you. Love that. Good morning. Hat. Good morning. Good <laughs> afternoon. I'm putting you on speaker view. I'm guessing about the same. we're between 11 and 12 people don't remember you. Shame on you, people. Shame <laughs> on you. Founce, bring us up to date. What have you been working on? Refresh our memories. Go ahead. Uh,
5: Wow. Um, Well, my name is Founce Genese. I'm the founder and CEO of Unmanned Systems Operations Group. And um, basically, uh, our specialty is uh, delivery, especially in the medical space with uh, drones. Um, We uh, we say that, but truly, honestly, we are a systems integrations company. And basically, we're into flying robots, which is our drones. You know, essentially, uh, the IoT, edge computing, all that stuff is what we do. Um, we're drone agnostic, and if you bring us a drone, we'll take it from a drone to a delivery truck or soup it up to be a hot rod, whatever you need. Um, I got into this because uh, I'm also a, a fellow veteran, go veterans, uh, but I'm Air Force. <laughs> I'm Air Force, uh, I flew medevac uh, for most of my career, and that's how I got into the medical space. I saw that, uh, you know, I was sitting on the freeway one day, uh, There is was a LabQuest van full of uh, specimens, Uh, And, you know, California, 5 Freeway is basically a parking lot certain times of the day. And I was looking at this van going, wait, 20% of those lab samples or whatever was in that vehicle that were going to go bad. And I was just, man, I can get down the road and back with my drone faster than I could than that truck. And that's the day USOG was born uh, when I uh, figured out that, you know what, we can move stuff, uh, medical equipment and medical blood and what have you. Uh, which is critical, uh, much faster. And so we've developed multi-package delivery systems that, uh, number one, we've just been working with the American Red Cross, uh, moving uh, 20 pounds of blood for them. Uh, we've got a couple of other uh, unique opportunities coming up with my friend here, my friends over at Valkyrie. Uh, we, are, we have now put together a complete system. So you call us up, we come out, uh, we deliver, we can secure your items and what have you and uh yeah it's been great and i too am a polyglot like sandra
1: <laughs> how many languages fans five five wow i i'm so impressed with this panel i would just like to i know we're talking about drones i'd like to just sit down and interview all of you and find out what what drives you what and to those of you who many of you who are veterans thank you for your service have to say that have to appreciate you what you've done and, and what's in your heart. And I, I appreciate that, so thank you very much. I'm gonna try not to cry. Although my son accuses me, when we get on a family call, he says, Oh, it's been three minutes. Mom didn't start to cry yet. So what can I tell you? Anyway, that's another story off the air. Let's go to the quotes. To my viewers, my listeners who haven't seen the show, shame on you. I asked my guests for a quote from a movie or a TV fictional character or from a song lyric that has nothing to do with the topic. And in their own words, they're going to relate it to the topic. So I think you'll all enjoy this. Chuck Byers, I'm looking at what you sent. This is from... Pink Floyd's song from their 1987 album, A Momentary Lapse of Reason, the song is learning to fly. Let me read, I'm not going to sing it, Chuck, because I really don't know the melody and I would really ruin the show. We've got people watching and I wouldn't want to upset their tummy. So here is the quote. Ice is forming on the tips of my wings, unheeded warnings. I I thought of everything. No navigator to find my way home, unladen, empty and turned to stone. A soul intention that's learning to fly, Con- condition grounded, but determined to try. Can't keep my eyes from the circling skies, tongue tied and twisted, just an earthbound misfit eye. Wow. Chuck, help me Good. out here. How did you find this? And of course, related to our topic, I don't think that's a stretch. Go ahead, Chuck.
2: Well, well, well Gilmer, Gilmer does write a heck of a lyric, doesn't he? Um, it is, uh, I, I found it because I'm a, a lifelong lifelong fan of the Floyd, and I just think that their, their lyrics are excellent, their staging is excellent, everything about what they do is excellent. And uh, if you ever li- listen to Dark Side of the Moon in a Dark Room with headphones on sometime and talk about audio engineering and innovations alan parsons did some of that by the way uh so anyway the the lyric means something so some special things to me and and some of them sort of positive some of them sort of negative uh the the, the learn to fly bit obviously applies to drones and that's exactly what we're doing we're, we're waiting for regulatory relief we're waiting for technology advancements we're waiting for the emergence of this commercial ecosystem that bonnie talked about being worth billions and i personally think it's tens and hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. in the coming decade that is really going to enable us to, to do what we want to do instant gratification for the consumers correct fast service for those medical emergencies of the supplies and samples mm-hmm. they need and so on All of this stuff really requires us to learn to fly. We need to put this ecosystem into place. We need to build the equivalent of the aircraft. You know, that's the drones. That's Mm -hmm. the stuff that USOG and and FONS is working on. Uh, That's also the equivalent of the airports, the ground support infrastructures and the vertiports and the uh, drone delivery stations that companies like Valkyrie are working on and all the software that enables them. So lots of learning to do. Lots of innovation necessary, lots of patents, and, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm working on. Uh, I also would like to just uh, give a, 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 a shout out to our uh, partners and potentially adversaries in the various federal regulation organizations. Uh, some of them view the view, some of us view them as trying to strike a difficult balance between protecting the public and their interests and enabling these new technologies and these new services putting them at what amounts to a, a pretty difficult position. And uh, I, I guess as the technologist, you know, I think the technology is ready, and I think we're being held back by uh, the regulations more than those regulations are really serving to protect us. So uh, the, the last uh, lyric, tongue-tied and twisted, just an earthbound misfit eye, um, you know, I'd like to ask the, the federal regulators in the various jurisdictions we'd like to fly in if they think that applies to them or not, And if they should, you know, get to work on uh, faster resolution of some of these regulatory hurdles. So I I hope that wasn't too political. You asked me not to be political. I'll allow it. That's that's an appeal uh, for the particular politicians that seem to influence our market the most.
1: I will allow it. I will allow it. Thank you, Chuck, because you did it so eloquently and so elegantly without naming names or factions, and I appreciate that. Point taken. Thank you. See see how generous I am when you do it right? I appreciate that. Sandra has sent us a quote from Paul Von Hartman, played by Janice or Janice Neewoner in Munich, The Edge of War, a 2021 German-British drama film directed by Christian Schauchau Chow Chow, from a screenplay by Ben Power. The film is based on a 2017 novel, Munich, by Robert Paris. It stars Jeremy Irons, George McKay. Founce is nodding. I think you've seen it. Uh, it premiered at the BFI London Film Festival in October twenty one, uh, 2021, and it's about uh, Hugh Leggett. Paul von Hartmann and his girlfriend Lena celebrate their graduation from Oxford in 1932, and they insist that they, he insists this, they visit him in Munich to experience the new Germany. I'm going to stop there and read the quote, Sandra. We don't choose the times we live in. The only choice we have is how we respond. I've got chills on this one. Sandra, talk to us. How'd you pick this one?
3: Well, you know, because thanks to geniuses like Mr. Carl Benz, who invented the first car, we can drive cars and not riding horses anymore. I mean, nothing against horses. I love horses. But now because of great geniuses in urban air mobility who invented drones, air taxis, vertiports, beetles. Now we can fly in urban air mobility environment. So these inventions are the step forward to evolve as a united society. There are so many inventors and there is so much technology out there. I do even know personally great inventors who created a submarine that uses water oxygen that can even become a space capsule, for example. So we don't choose the time we live in but we can create our own and the evolution of it.
1: Thank you very much. Very, very beautifully done. Um, Very interesting quote. And I think that's where we are in our civilization, isn't it? We didn't choose this and we've got to do the best we can with what we've got. Thank you, Sandra, appreciate that. And now let's go to Ryan Walsh's quote. This is from the movie Apocalypse Now, 1979 American epic psychological war film. There's a lot of genre packed into that, Ryan. The character is Captain Benjamin L. Willard, played by Martin Sheen. And the quote is, everyone gets everything he wants. I wanted a mission for my sins, and they gave me one. Oh, Ryan Walsh, unpack this for me. Talk to me. Ryan Walsh, are you there? I think he got fro oh there he is. You're back. You were frozen. About that.
4: Um yeah, and that really goes to what I was saying in the the you know bio part of this. I mean, when the drone bug hit me, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people I know and my friends will tell you I'm not always the best to be around because they don't always want to talk about where drones land. Um, you know, so I, I call it a bit of an obsession, a bit of an addiction, but I mean, I, it hit me and I wanted to find a way to make an impact, change the world, create something new and and build a new technology. And, you know, I got what I wanted for better or worse sometimes.
1: For better or for worse, thank you very much. Very interesting. We have some pretty dark, serious movies we are quoting here today, and songs as well. Let's go to a quote. Chuck, I just put the first prediction in for after we're done. Founce, I'm looking. This is an interesting quote. It's from the character Harry Hart, whose code name was Galahad, played by Colin Firth. Kingsman, The Secret Service, a 2014 spy thriller action film, uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn, screenplay by Jane Goldman and Vaughn, and it's based on a comic book by Mark Millard and Dave Gibbons. Sa- Kingsman is the name for the Savile Row tailor shop, or Savile Row people might. I think there's a men's underwear brand called Savile Row too. I did the packaging for that years ago. I had friends in the textile industry, uh, Savile Row tailor shop that clothed them. It was a front for the basis. the The quote. Let me give a little background now. Founce, The quote is "Manners maketh man." It's originating from a proverb that is said to be the writings of William Horman, who lived from 1440 to 1535. He was the headmaster at the Eton School in England and a Mm. teacher at the Winchester School. But the line is taken from a very, very interesting scene from the movie Kingsman, The Secret Service. Manners maketh man Fance. Delight us with your interpretation of the quote. How does it relate to drones? Go ahead.
5: <laughs> uh, well, that's basically a lesson from my childhood that, you know, my parents, my grandparents always instilled in me. And um, throughout any industry um, and, you know, currently in the drone industry, you have a lot of upstarts that um, are nothing but uh, air uh, and that don't have any uh, substance behind them. Uh. And, uh, and with that is uh, being dishonest, dis- deceiving to others. And, and to me, that's part of your manners on uh, treating others uh, appropriately um, and being honorable. And from the coming from military background, uh, us old school uh, veterans, in essence, um, we have that sense of uh, keeping our word, treating others as we should be treated, uh, being earnest. And that's how we run USOG. Um, we underpromise and hopefully overdeliver every single time. And throughout our industry, we see the opposite. And so, to me, um, in treating others, treating uh, business partners, everybody we walk into, run into, um, manners matter. They absolutely do. And, uh, and that's how we. I see it in the uh, drone industry. Am I perfect? No, but I strive to. I'll uh, be the best individual I can be every day because it makes a difference. You don't know who's watching. You don't know who's listening. Uh, so, you all so manners matter at all times.
1: Golden rule. I think you snuck in there somewhere, right? Treat others as you would have them. I appreciate that, and I guess people would say, "Listen, when I bought this house, I'm in Durham, North Carolina, in a not a gated, but it's a." Something plus community. I won't give the number, but you all can figure it. as not 25. Oh,
5: 25.
1: 25. Oh, yeah, plus. that was it. Thank you. <laughs> 25 plus community. Yeah, they barely let me in. They weren't They carded me. The people who, you'll appreciate this. The people who lived in my house apparently were flying recreational drones over people's yards. And when I, when I, they moved. When I bought the house, people said, oh, Doug used to live there. He was the drone guy. He used to." F- <laughs> Sandra's eyes are popping. He used to fly over our backyard. Look at what we were doing. And I said, well, I don't have a drone. So talk about treating people as he was the drone guy of this community. I haven't heard any chatter about it since then, but that was his reputation. People knew where it came from and they knew who was flying. Any comments about treating people with manners, fans? So if you know that they're Looking at people, what they're doing in their back. And these are not fenced backyards. These are pretty open, so everybody can see anyway. But Founce, any comments about manners making the drone? There's a quote. Manners make it the drone. Manners make
5: the drone. Yeah. uh, It's all about integrity. It's all about integrity. And it's not just following part 107. It's human norms. You know, look, I have my own. you have your backyard. Okay? Please. If you You don't have... You don't need to look, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if you're do- if you're out having fun, that's great. But I don't need to know what my neighbor's doing unless they invited me to videotape or do something. For what well, I just don't need to know, honestly. Thank
1: you. Just- by the by the way, his wife was the editor of the community newspaper. I wonder. <laughs> I just I just put the link together. I just realized yeah. that. Let's just thank you, Fouts. I appreciate ba- this. Go ahead, go ahead. Basic,
5: basic, common courtesy. Period. There you That's go. it. There
1: you go. There you go. Okay.
4: That for sure.
1: Bye-bye, Doug the Drone Guy. He's back in St. Louis somewhere. I probably said too much. Let's go to our predictions. We've already talked a lot about the topic of drones. Where are they going? Where will they land? What do they mean to all of us in our everyday lives? Chuck Byers, I picked a a prediction from each of you. It's in the chat, private chat to all of you. Want to take a peek, but I want you to pay attention because if you have anything to say about somebody else's prediction, just wave a nice finger, a polite one to me and I will call on you. So Chuck Byers, I'm looking at prediction number two for drone cargo delivery. I think this is what interests people commercially for drone cargo delivery and other drone-based services to be viable, autonomous operation must allow a single pilot to manage simultaneous flights of 10 drones. And Chuck adds, parenthetically, 100 would be better. Chuck, this was part of my intro on this, the wing delivery service. Talk Mm -hmm. to us, uh, predict, and then let's see if anybody wants to comment. Chuck Byers, you're up.
2: Excellent. Well, state-of-the-art a year or two ago was to have one pilot to one drone. And in fact, it was probably one pilot plus a visual observer human, not on the sticks, but eyeballs on the drone continuously to one drone. If you're going to use this to emulate, say, Amazon or UPS or FedEx services, there's uh, some concerns because you've got to have thousands of drones to do the job of that fleet of trucks, which might mean that you need thousands of pilots and or visual observers uh, obviously not viable, and there's not enough qualified pilots in the world to do this at scale. So what we have to do is we have to manage those drones and the ground support infrastructure that supports them using fully autonomous AI and machine learning-based software techniques. Uh, that, that basically means that the drone needs to know where it is, maybe using GPS or cellular triangulation. It needs to take off from its designated place hover for a while at a waypoint, fly through a bunch of other waypoints completely autonomously, no humans on sticks, find its destination, something like a a Valkyrie drone delivery system. And then what basically it would do is do a precision landing with maybe a few centimeters of precision might be required in certain cases to uh, drop the package in the right place. Um, And and then it needs to take off and navigate back and and go back to the the sending station or to the garage or to the roost where all those drones are sheltered and recharged and mission logged, updated and all that. Um, We want the humans to be available in case the drones get into trouble. Like, there's a squirrel on top of my landing station. What do I do? You know, that that sort of thing that the, the, the AI ought to see that and say, there's a squirrel there. Uh, Then a human pilot might come in, take control of that single drone. Well, the other hundred drones it's responsible for will be continuing on their autonomous job. And then maybe he figures out how to, you know, hover in and and strafe that squirrel a little bit, stand up, validate through his camera that that squirrel has left, and then complete the mission autonomously. That sort of thing is much more the exception than the norm in any high-scale-enabled network. And it's basically requiring all of this AI stuff that does the ground support infrastructure and the drone navigation and the drone precision landing and all the sense and collision avoidance that these drones have to do to be safe. That's all uh, requiring AI. It's about 80% there right now. And over the coming year, it will be completed and vetted to the point where we can trust this to be fully hands-off stick Except for those rare uh, exceptions,
1: Chuck, it sounds like the job of a lifetime. I want, I want to apply. Can you imagine all the the. I'm saying kids and no age attached who've been playing video games and war games and attack games on the joystick or whatever they're using with precision. Okay, my person's there, my avatar's there, and I've got you, and I'm shooting you. And all, can you imagine them actually? Are those the people who are being recruited for these jobs, Chuck? Who have that?
2: Absolutely, they have the skills. They have the uh, <laughs> the adequately short but focused attention span because their interactions in these things are only going to be ten or twenty seconds. And then they're off to rescue the next drone, right? So
1: we have to say to their mommies who said, when are you going to get off that damn video game and do something with your life? You'll never amount to anything. And now there are roles for them. And the the drone is, I want to move on. Thank you, Chuck. That was very compelling. Sandra, I'm looking at your prediction number one. We're going to go in a slightly different direction here. You say society 5.0, urban air mobility, UAM, is the step that gets us closer and closer to what we imagine to be the futuristic city with vehicles flying autonomously between the buildings at your request that is such a loaded prediction sandra there's about five places i want you to unpack so go ahead and if anybody wants to come and just raise your hand sandra you're up
3: awesome so as mentioned in one of my articles um we are really close to deliver the perfect tax synergy where our lives can just benefit from the advancements of research and development made during these years. Um, So that's why, you know, I want to introduce all of you to Society 5.0 or 5.0. So this evolutionary society is not only a vision of technology development, but rather a vision of social transformation. And that's why I said urban air mobility is the step that gets us closer and closer to what we imagine to be a futuristic city. You know, vehicles flying between the buildings, all autonomous vehicles, and they can fly at your request. So just let's imagine about a cyberpunk city for those who like science fiction genres. But another aspect for it, because urban air mobility is a new invention. It's a new world. It's a new industry. It has its own vulnerabilities as well. So urban air mobility is not just all about amazing and advanced cool infrastructure and technologies. There is a human factor that needs to be taken in consideration when it comes to protecting data. So we have to strengthen our defense capabilities when it comes to cybersecurity and cyberspace.
1: Wow, 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 wow. And the part of the prediction that I was very curious about is drones, vehicles flying autonomously between buildings at your request. What would that request be like? Would it be, okay, Sandra's having a a, a party with her colleagues at five o'clock and we need a couple of bottles of really high-end champagne delivered to her rooftop in her Founce is, is nodding. And by the way, when when they're done, uh, we need to know something about getting somebody, uh, whether the taxis are available to take her guests to the next part of the party. So we need some traffic visions of from the drone aerial. I'm making this up. Sandra, is that how somebody would, would use this kind
3: of technology in a smart city? Absolutely. And that's why also My scout is developing mm-hmm. an app also for drone deliveries, air taxis, VTOLs, even vertiports. So there is there is a question, you know, like many experts say cybersecurity is in somewhere in the sky. And I always want to scream like, "What? You know, like it's 2022. Everybody is using smartphones, computers, or other information technology devices all connected through wireless or wide networks via channels. And these devices are connected to servers and data centers." So Cyberspace, it's a very physical existence. It's not a cloud, it's not floating somewhere in the sky, it's on land.
5: Sandra, interesting. Um, The one thing I wanted to mention to you, uh, I sit on the uh, CompTIA uh, Drone Board of Advisors, and uh, you know, I'm sure you're aware of uh, CompTIA, and then I know you know what an endpoint is. Uh, now there's endpoints, which is attached to a physical net- network. There's the mobile endpoint, as you mentioned, like our hots- uh, our cell phones. Uh, but one of the things that we identified is um, drones are basically flying computers. And that is an aerial mobile endpoint, an AEM. And that's something that uh, 90% of the industry doesn't even really recognize. But we identified that as a cybersecurity infrastructure, not threat, but it can be a threat <laughs> uh, depending on the the capabilities of a of a drone so that's something that really uh, needs to be understood and i'm sure you're in cybersecurity and you understand that but just wanted to point that out to people that drones are are quite the substantial physical reality of the cloud
1: thank you fance very interesting and by the way sandra's sending us all an invitation to that cocktail party on the rooftop of her penthouse apartment oh by the way you're gonna help fly you wanna help fly in well no
5: here's the here's the here's what's gonna happen is i will pick up the champagne i'll drop it off to her rooftop um landing station which is created by valkyrie and then valkyrie will lower that into her home so she just doesn't even have to leave the house she just goes and takes her champagne
4: that's all there's to it
1: this is good this is good this is really tying it together thank you very much and <laughs> thanks for your comments Faust sandra thank you so much great prediction ryan walsh i'm looking at prediction number one you say there will be a new breakthrough in autonomous drone systems by combining analog and digital computers into a hybrid novel system that benefits from the discrete calculation of digital with the speed of critical systems being run off of analog frameworks. Can you unpack this please so, so our viewers and listeners understand where does analog come in, where does it end, where does digital take over, Ryan?
4: Sure. So we've really seen a transition away from analog towards the last half of the, the last century and move towards digital. Right? Digital has been um, a boon for pretty much every uh, industry with the way we've gone about um, digitizing just about everything. With with IoT being you know almost the crucible of that, where everything is connected all the time. But with drones in particular, one thing we're finding is you know the when you look at this at scale, let's say you have two drones on non-communicating platforms heading at each other at a critical speed, and they aren't aware of each other for whatever reason on TM right? By incorporating analog and uh, more traditional-based computers, you know some of the old, you know, fermies and and things like that, where you're getting um, a much more uh, streamlined load latency high. Uh, 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 consistency um, from analog so there's definitely areas sensors um, particular subsystems that turning them analog and then combining it under a digital framework uh is going to reduce a lot of those sub millisecond critical movements that are going to be required um, when you start having tens of thousands of drones in the air and so um, we're starting to see a push overall with these new hybrid computers that really do take advantage of both capabilities and really take the best of both worlds right um and so i see that entering drones and, and autonomous vehicles overall because it really will solve a lot of the um you know, just short-term obstacles we're starting to run into as an industry.
1: Thank you very much. Any comments? I see Founce is nodding. Sandra, anybody want to say anything about analog digital? Are we good? We're all good. you he's absolutely question. right. Blurred something out. Absolutely, Go ahead. Right.
5: we're 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 looking at um, hybrid uh, like a hybrid logistics systems coming together. He's absolutely right. Mm-hmm.
1: Bounce, that's a nice segue for, I'm looking at your prediction number one, it's your turn, and you say a shortage in the workforce, and I assume that's the human workforce, those of us who are still remaining here, will increase the need for robotics and automation to include the use of drones. You say been approached, I'm assuming we've been approached, meaning your company's been approached by Fortune 100 companies for implementation of drones for their specific use cases. Tell us what this is about, Bounce.
5: Uh, The great resignation. Um, it's just another um, use of uh, drones and drone logistics. Um, I don't know if anybody's tried to order uh, anything lately from Amazon or ship something across the country via FedEx. Um, it's, it's, it's brutal um, trying to get parts uh, for for building some of the uh, systems that we create and all that. It's like 90 days to get a part that we used to get in three days. Um, so number one, it's part of the labor labor force shortage Number two, um, you have entities that deliver foodstuffs or, or 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 little whatever it is. Uh, they they don't have enough people to to do deliveries, so they're looking for alternative uses. Uh, you have, I think, was it Domino's, who's got that little ground robot delivering food. Um, you've got uh, obviously Wing, who's you know trying to do more with their the Google Wings trying to do more, and so covid has really uh, shown a light on the drone industry and autonomy and what autonomy can do in general um it just so happens drones are are novel and they have the ability to get places faster than uh, most other autonomous uh devices and uh, you know we're also working with some uh, entities that are world you know well known uh, in delivering items for them and so yeah, there's a labor shortage and, and we need people to work and not only just the delivery aspect, but there's, um, operations that are moving to, Hey, uh, we don't have somebody in the back flipping burgers. It's automated. It's a robot doing it. Um, you know, just like Ford, you know, had a bunch of people on an assembly line now. Yeah. Robots doing most of that work. Uh, so that, that, that's transitioning to logistics and, and drones.
1: The good news and the bad news, right? What will people do who need to work? Upskilling, upscaling, getting education, moving out of jobs into something less robotic, if you will. Let the robots do the repetitive work. Thank you very much, Don. I think what we're going to do is we're going to start round two. We have a few minutes left here, about 10 minutes left. Let's cycle through round two of predictions. Chuck Byers, I'm looking at number four here. You say high-scale operation of large Large fleets of heavy drones would be a significant load on some power grids, enough to encourage off-peak hours charging. This is a reality check. Chuck, is how do you power these things? How do you charge them? Where do you put it in somebody's garage? Is there a charging station in an to Talk to us. Well, how does this all work, Chuck?
2: Right. What we're we're trying to do is replace those crazy diesel trucks that are running around delivering packages, delivering pizzas, doing all of this kind of stuff. And if you think about the amount of energy that flows through the nozzle when you're putting gas in your car, it's a lot. The the equivalent energy in terms of kilowatt hours of a gallon of petrol is is really huge. Uh, So if we, as we wanna do, we we wanna go to a, a carbon zero kind of model, which is using renewable energy to charge all of these drones. And it turns out that if we flash forward for 10 years and scale this to the point where there's hundreds of thousands of drones in the sky, some of them big ones, you know, the ones capable of lifting hundreds of kilograms, it turns out that uh, charging them is going to be a challenge in the same way that drilling all that oil is a challenge to provide the energy for the current petroleum-based energy economy. So what we have to do is figure out how to do that. I'm just reading a draft from the FAA of a paper that they intend to publish in June of this year. It's entitled Vertiport Design, and it's really about the infrastructure necessary to fly these these huge uh, varieties of vertical takeoff and landing aircraft around. And they have a thing called an MCS, a megawatt charging system which basically means that if you got a huge drone with big bunches of batteries in, you want to charge those batteries quick to minimize the amount of time that that drone is on the ground being recharged, maximize the amount of time that the thing is in the air. To do so, you need a lot of power, a lot of energy per second flowing into that drone. And a megawatt of power, is what they're talking about, is the power used by about 800 average American households. Just to charge that one drone. All right. It's like a supercharger. If you ever look at what Tesla superchargers are, they're 100 to 200,000 watts, uh, 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 a fifth of a megawatt, say. So these vertiports are potentially going to be five times fatter than Tesla superchargers in terms of the amount of energy that they require. This has significant impacts on the power grid on the distribution infrastructure and especially on the generation infrastructure if we wanna do this with fully renewable energy. So we're gonna to have to, uh, a, a single windmill, the big ones that you see in Nebraska and on the ultimate pass in California and in the Illinois prairies, they're three to five megawatts. So you only get three of these big fat megawatt charging vertiports and you've exhausted the capacity of that single windmill, which means if you've got a lot of vertiports charging a lot of megawatt drones, you're going to need a lot of windmills. Uh, that, yeah, and, and what it basically is, is, is that it's a it's a tale of, uh, uh, of hope that we can get the carbon out of this stuff. But it's also a tale of caution that if we don't start paying attention to grid resiliency and upgrading and putting in the high tension transmission lines between the places where it's windy or sunny and the places where these vertiports are charging these megawatt drones, we're going to have to we're going to have some problems so we need to start laying the foundation in the grid right now in the electrical power grid right now to manage that we also might have to put batteries in the base of these vertiports so we might charge them with. we might charge them at night when there's less electrical demand and then bleed those batteries into the drones during the day when those drones are more active
1: Thank you, Chuck. Appreciate that. And I'm thinking when you're talking, tilting at windmills takes out on a new, right? Don Quixote takes on some new meaning in there. We have about six minutes left and I want to cover three more predictions. So let's keep it really short. We might have to do part three. That would be my prediction is you're all coming back in a couple of months for part three. So we don't have to cram this in, but Sandra Fermenton, I'm looking at your prediction number four. It is long, but there's a big purpose to this. So she says currently the UAM industry in the US is advancing at a contained speed, while European countries are proceeding at a consistent speed. Great headline. Sandra, two minutes. What does this mean to us? Correct.
3: Um, Currently, the UAM industry in the United States, it's proceeding with a contained speed because we're seeing that European countries, for example, are proceeding and advancing. With a quicker space. So countries such as Italy, Germany, China, UK, even France, and even United Arabs Emirates are more advanced in terms of choice and acceptance of these technologies. So what's happening? So many American VTOLs or Vertiport companies, for example, like MyScout, we are integrators here, but we are finding opportunities for UAM projects development in Europe. So in simple words, I'm going to make it short, Americans develop and create technologies and other countries are, use these technologies. So my prediction is that Europe might have a very active UAM market and potentially be the example of UAM urban air mobility globally.
1: Thank you, very interesting. I wanted to get that global perspective in. That's why I'm glad you gave us that prediction, Sandra. Thank you very much. Let's go to Ryan. We can sneak in here, number three. This is so loaded with tech terms, I don't even know what to make it, but I think I can pronounce it. Ryan Walsh, you say, there will be intermodal networks for data that jumps from standard protocols to secure encrypted to quantum qubits and back again, so that the drone communication system layering mirrors the layering of the hardware and software in smart cities. Wow, I hope I said it all right. Ryan, I can give you 90 seconds. Just tell us what this means. Go ahead.
4: It's to Chuck's earlier point and Founce's earlier points where the there's going to be a delineation between the hardware software, right? We're going to start seeing those merge more and more. And as we start seeing these various uh information communication protocols, whether, you know, it's the advancement of of quantum computing or various encryptions, um, we're seeing now more than ever, especially with world tensions, that signal intelligence is something that is very, very important and it has to be protected. And so uh, if we don't look at both the hardware infrastructure to Chuck's point, the grid infrastructure, but also the communication infrastructure and how those interact, you may end up with systems that can't talk to each other and that's going to shut down the entire uh, layering of this. So um, we see the digital piece of it and the data piece of it being a mirror to the rollout of the hardware within the smart cities.
1: Thank you very much, and we have time. Thank you, Ryan, and we have time to fit in. Let me get my view here. Uh, Founce, I'm looking at your prediction number three, and this started with one of your stories about how you got into the field. Humanitarian uses of drones will likely double over the year because, I'm assuming next year, because of current world events, the interest from large NGOs have begun who are now evaluating our technologies. Founce, two minutes is all we got. Go ahead.
5: (laughs) A lot to unpack in two minutes. I'll make it brief. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm not not trying to be political or anything, but definitely we can see um, currently in uh, the last couple of days that the uh, American Red Cross uh, depot in the Ukraine was uh, 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 bombed, obliterated, overrun. And all the supplies that uh, were there for the, the people in country were decimated. And so, uh, those of us who are from the military, we understand the Geneva Convention and there are certain rules of um, combat and war. Uh, Apparently they're not being followed. And one of those rules is don't mess with anything, American Red Cross, period. And it's been like that for a number of years. Uh, Apparently that is not being abided by. And so now those people who are trying to do the best they can are in harm's way. And so to reduce the amount of those people, um, I could see moving, Relief items by drone uh, to keep more people safe. Um, You know, unfortunately, we need to probably send more drones than people now uh, because of things like that. And that's in that scenario. Also, with uh, events in the United States, just disaster relief itself. Um, You know, we've Uh, had floodings where you can't get um, relief items in or out of areas. And the best way to do it is by drone. Uh, because you can't drive down a road because a bridge is washed out and what have you, mm-hmm. and so because those things are happening more often, um, uh, because of changes on the planet um, and more diverse weather patterns, that's 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 the way to go.
1: Thank you. And so we can say to the moms who said to their kids, ah, look what's going to happen to you if you sit there playing all those video games. And now they're saying, look, there's an industry that needs you. And now they can say, you can do humanitarian good for the world with your skills and have an exciting job and be on the forefront of helping to expand cities, expand doing unto people how you want them to do, helping civilization, right, Sandra? Society 5.0. And you can do something exciting and very valuable with your life from playing all those video games. Fancy, get one sentence. What's your last word?
5: Um, We need pilots, but we need everybody else more than pilots.
1: Okay. I think I'm going to predict we're going to do part three. I will just stay on everybody for about two minutes. I have a date for you already. All I need is a couple of new predictions and new quotes and you're good to go. I have 30 seconds to get off here. So I want to thank Gabe, our engineer. Everybody say, thank you, Gabe. Everybody say, bye. Thank, bye. Facebook, bye LinkedIn. Thank you, Chuck Byers. Always Chuck. You were so smiley today. It was wonderful. You look great. So many good things to share. Sandra Formentum, What a treat to have you on the show, Ryan Walsh. I know you're busy. We really appreciate your time and, Founce Genese also appreciate everything. Great perspective, all of you, and you all have such heart. I appreciate that. Now, I want you all to, we have a quick homework assignment to close the show. Raise your finger. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, you're going to say no, no, no. One, two, three. No, no, no. no, no. no. And the question was, if somebody says to you, the future's already here, you're going to say no, no, no. no, no. no. Why? Because that was yesterday's future, and today's future hasn't happened yet. It happens after I finish this sentence, and we're all working our hardest, our best, to make it a better one. Everybody, wave goodbye. Bye, bye, Voice America. Bye, Lincoln. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution: The Future of Now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.